Hello and welcome to this edition of Take 18, a podcast where we love to talk about movies because we love movies. <laughs> this show is produced by the Central Coast Film Society. My name is Daniel Lair, the founder and executive director of the Central Coast Film Society. And I just am so excited about today's show. Uh, we are so filled to the brim with what things that uh, I want to talk about and we'll get there. But um, our guest today is fantastic. You may not know his face, but you definitely, the faces of Hollywood that he's captured, you've seen at least a million times. I mean, he is one of the most prolific Hollywood photographers. George Rose is going to stop by for in-person interview uh, and he's going to share some of his amazing stories about his career. We're also going to give a little bit more tasty morsels afterwards about some of our upcoming events, um, which are really awesome. And of course, we're going to be talking about what's going on in movie theaters right now. So definitely a loaded show for sure. But before we get into all that, just want to remind you, uh, make sure that you subscribe so you can find out when we have new episodes coming out. Uh, get the first lay down on some of our events, like what's going to we're going to announce today. Uh, even in the near future, you just well, stay tuned. Trust me on that. Uh, and uh, we definitely got some things in the works. So we're trying to get every episode out uh, as quickly and as frequently as we possibly can. Um, but definitely most of these episodes are also timeless. You want to go back and re-listen to things. Uh, they, they are pretty amazing stories uh, about um, professionals' backgrounds and histories in Hollywood. It, it is so wonderful. And uh, I, I'm, I'm now kind of, we're 20-something episodes in, and I'm looking back at everybody that I've talked to. And it, it really is creating this amazing library of discussions and dialogues and just amazing stories that I had no idea. All from people who um, kind of have touched here on the Central Coast as well. It, it, it really is a phenomenal thing and I'm so blessed to be able to uh, share that with you guys. So, But I don't want you to miss it. That's the important part. Do not miss out on all this stuff. So subscribe, like, share, spread the word, let other people know about it and uh, it, 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 we're going to be in for one hell of a ride. It's going to be awesome. You guys grab your front row seats okay <laughs> all right throughout this podcast series we're also going to be looking into different movie news i'll go into some reviews interviews and uh, filmmaker takes where we just talk about making movies and just how much fun it is so without further ado let's dive into a little bit of movie news before we bring in our special guest george rose so we are now in the I would say the pinnacle of your Hollywood summer blockbuster time frame here. This is when everybody should be running to the theaters, knocking down the doors, and it it kind of landed with a you know small thud <laughs> this year. And of course, that is to be expected. Theaters just finally started kind of opening up nationwide, uh, you know, with the 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 pandemic and everything going on. Um, I do want to talk about one kind of quick case study. Uh, out there, we, we've got a few um, box office. I, I'm not sure if you want to call it hit or success. Uh, currently, when we're recording this here on uh, a, a, in uh, late July, Fast and the Furious uh, F9, uh, th it has got the top spot of uh, US 2021 movies. Um, only shy, uh, the second place is only shy by about $2 million. Um, and that's a quiet place part two. And then after that is black widow. Now black widow has got 
Um, a grand total of $146 million um, uh, hauled in, and Quiet Place 2 is at 156 and Fast and Furious is at 158 Um th- Those are fairly close for one, two, and three spots. Now, um, this is all, of course, according to Box Office Mojo, which, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in the box office reports, they are the ones to go to. But uh, I, I do want to talk about Black Widow. That one's still out in theaters as well. So is Fast uh, and the Furious. I think Quiet Place has gotten pretty quiet. So I think that's where we're at with that. But Black Widow um, was interesting because that one also did a, a uh, one of the streaming and theater releases. Um, and Disney Plus has always been kind of really secretive on their their reporting on what Disney Plus has got. They don't say how many subscribers they have. It, it really is kind of interesting. And plus, Marvel has always kind of been this, uh, you know, it, it can't miss at the box office. Um, so it, it's kind of an interesting thing. So they had it available for early subscribers, just kind of like they did with um, Cruella and uh, Jungle Cruise coming up, where you can pay 30 bucks and you get to see it at home early. Uh, which is, you know, that's pretty cool. And if people don't aren't feeling comfortable enough going back to the theaters, then, you know, that's a great option for them. And Disney is still able, well, Disney and all the other studios out there are doing the same exact thing. They've all started their own streaming platforms um, and, and ways to do it, you know, through uh, HBO Max is another uh, very popular one. Paramount's got one. They've all got them. And it, it's just kind of interesting. So, um, it was kind of interesting that uh, Black Widow, they released the numbers after the opening weekend, which was back uh, July 12th, I believe, is right around there. And, uh, you know, this is according to the reports, is that um, they Black Widow actually earned $60 million just on Disney Plus worldwide. And that is in addition to the $158 million it earned at the global box office, which is uh, pretty interesting there for sure. Now, and that's that's global. That's not just domestic. Um, so th- the way that they report things, it's it's a little different. Worldwide movies that have gone on actually right now. Worldwide, uh, the top two winners right now are actually movies from China, and they're very specific Chinese movies. One's called High Mom, and the other one's called Detective Chinatown Three. <laughs> um, and High Mom is actually at uh, eight hundred twenty-two million dollars um, that has been released so far, and that came out and uh, was released on February twelfth in twenty twenty-one. So, um, and a ninety-nine percent of that all came from the China market. So that shows you how important it is. And it's kind of interesting to see that the those markets are open wide for um, films. So just kind of interesting to keep your eyes on with that. So, uh, but that being said, Black Widow, it, was that a hit? Is that considered a hit? Because it, it took a seriously hard drop off um, after that first weekend. It, it definitely was not, uh, I, I think I read somewhere that it, it was said that that was one of the quickest drop-offs for a Marvel film, which kind of makes sense, you know, if you see it on on streaming platforms, is that, you know, is that it, the one and done, and now you've got it, you know, you kind of can run with it with your subscription process. 
uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how that's going to work. Now, again, I'm curious to see if this is going to happen with uh, Disney's other film that's going to be coming out, which, of course, I need to shout out uh, Jungle Cruise. Um, For those of you that don't know, yours truly here used to be a former skipper at the world-famous Jungle Cruise, and I have navigated those rivers. I've said those bad jokes day in, day out. Every 10 minutes, <laughs> I saw the backside of water, and uh, I pointed it out to people as well, you know. And so this this movie coming out, of course, is very near and dear to my heart. And actually, uh, we're re- I'm recording this on um, the evening of the 24th of July, and they just got done doing the premiere of the 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 film down in Disneyland at the park. I was actually in the park for the Pirates of the Caribbean premiere that they did down there. Just happened to be there that day, and it, they they put on a show. It is quite something. Um, but watching the, the, the streaming of the premiere, I saw, you know, you see all the familiar faces down there and then, um, we, you get to the part where they're interviewing Emily Blunt and she says, Oh, that was the first time I went on the ride. And you're just like, as a jungle cruise skipper, I was just like, Oh no, no, you can't say that. Don't say that. That's, that's when you act, you know, <laughs> don't say, you know, the jungle cruise skipper, you gotta, you gotta go on the ride. You gotta know what those jokes are. Anyways, that's just, uh, me from being an old salty uh, jungle cruise skipper if you want to know more about that you can definitely uh youtube and uh, search me as the real skipper dan um yes weird al made a song and it oddly parallels my life uh in that one song uh called skipper dan and uh i'm i'm not saying that there is a conflict there but uh no it's absolutely awesome because people started coming up to me at the uh, jungle cruise and were taking pictures with me and saying hey look he's real (laughs) i'm like yeah pretty sure i am and having no idea that there was a song and then finally somebody said oh no weird al made a song called skipper dan and Oh, okay. So it's just really funny. Anyways, um, enough about that. We're going to actually, I'm going to, first thing I I can do is, is get out and go see that movie and I'll let you guys know all about it. Uh, as far as, um, other movies, I did get to go see Black Widow in theaters and you know, it, it, um, this is kind of a quick review. It honestly, it, it was a pretty solid entry. Um, it's not in the top of, of Marvel's, uh, uh, you know, plethora of films that they've got nowadays. I'd say it's somewhere in the middle. Um, not too bad. It's not like Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two, which I'm just like, what is this? Uh, it's not like Iron Man Three, where you're just shaking your head and you're like, no, 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 this is this movie never happened. It's kind of like Indiana Jones Part Four. You're just kind of like, oh no. No, no, no. Um, funny, interesting news there. If anybody's paying any attention at all, uh, you know Harrison Ford. He's he's getting up there. He uh, injured himself, and you know, I don't know if this has happened a lot on any of the other films. And um, Indiana Jones, for me personally, is uh, one of my favorite all-time movies uh, for Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, just hands down, I think that is the best movie for what Hollywood was meant to be is just sit down have a good time at the movies and, and just run away and escape. Um, that I, that to me, that's it. That, that is the movie. 
Um, and so, but I don't remember though this movie uh, right now that's filming. They they are filming part five in um, in England and Scotland, I believe. And th- there's been a lot of leaks, a lot of leaks coming out online. Uh, and it's not just with um, Harrison Ford's injury, which he also got on Star Wars <laughs> on The Force Awakens. You know, it's just maybe he needs to stop making these movies. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting because you see a lot of uh, photos of people, you know, like wearing masks or him doing uh, spots on his face for maybe some digital replacements or things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what and how they they do it, if they do some sort of, like, flashbacks. Or, I don't know. It's a lot of speculation. So um, kind of veered off here a little bit, but um, it's all movie news. And uh, I definitely want to get back into it. And, and we're going to be chatting with George Rose now. He is a fantastic photographer. And uh, let's go ahead and invite George in right now. And we are now joined by George Rose. George, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Great to be with you. Too. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm super excited to have you here. And uh, I'm more excited to just talk about your work. Um, you know, when, when we met, you, you brought that book. And, it, and again, it just, uh, well, I, I was familiar with some of your work beforehand. But I had no idea that you were the one behind the lens on that. And uh, there's there's dozens and dozens of pictures just from from your era, you know, shooting Hollywood celebs that I'm like, yeah, I've seen that. I, I know these pictures and um, it's just amazing to finally meet you and, and look at that book that that's incredible. Uh, just just run of your history. But um, we'll get into that. And uh, I want to know. I want to know all about you. Tell me about how, how you got into the business. How, how'd you fall into that? Have you always been into photography and things like that? Well, I, I must say I literally fell into the business. Um, I worked as a copy messenger for a, a daily newspaper in Southern California and just at, at an early age of 18. Actually, it was kind of late. Um, and uh, I learned everything there was to know about how to process pictures and how to take pictures and how to print pictures and how to scan pictures for a newspaper. And so I, you know, I was able to get the technical aspects of photography down and then graduated to a, a smaller newspaper uh, in Southern California that was a weekly and afforded me the ability to uh, kind of really uh, branch out and develop skills, uh, develop that photojournalistic journalistic style that um, I came to utilize in various jobs uh, throughout the years. And uh, one thing led to another, and I ended up at the Los Angeles Times as a young kid. That's a, that's a big newspaper. It was a big newspaper, yeah. and I was a very young person. Um, and uh, it, it was a major wake-up uh, for me, uh, yeah. eyes open. And for some reason, I gravitated to the whole Hollywood, uh, Beverly Hills Society uh, television, music, and and fortunately for the LA Times, they let me run loose. I was I was wondering about that. How like if you were assigned to it, or if you said no, I'm, I I kind of like doing that, or how how did that work out? Yeah, usually the assignment editors um, uh, directed those stories to me. Yeah, and uh, you know I was also a sports photographer. I mean I I, I learned uh, how to shoot uh, long glass at, at football and. 
you know, so, I mean, I always thought of myself as being a versatile photographer, but I really enjoyed uh, photographing the Hollywood and the parties and the film sets and, and uh, you know, so that, that's what I became known for uh, for a good uh, 12 years there, um, first at the LA Times and then as a freelancer. I worked for Rolling Stone and, and Time and Newsweek and all yeah. of the publications that were out at that, at that day. Yeah, yeah, and it, again, amazing body of work. Um, and so uh, you did this for how long were you down there doing these photos? Oh, gosh, um, about 20 years or so. So, so you, you learned the lay of the land pretty quickly then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I had a pretty good, uh, as a freelancer, after my days at the LA Times as a freelancer, you know, I, I got into some really great assignments and uh, magazines and publications. Of course, that was the heyday of print media. Right. And, um, you know, I, I was able to uh, r really uh, witness history. Um, and I, I like to think of that slice. It was a slice of history, uh, a brief period of time, but I uh, did my best to try to photograph anything and everything that happened. Um, so what was, do you remember like your first assignment, like going out and, and were you nervous or were you scared or like, my, my very first assignment was literally next door to my apartment oh. uh, in Beverly Hills. I walked out of my front door and around the corner to the Academy of Motion Picture, uh, Arts and Sciences. Mm -hmm. They, they had a, a theater in their offices at the time, right next door to me. And it was a, um, uh, I think it was a Star Wars, um, the first uh, preview for Star Wars. And I walked in there and there were all these celebrities watching this movie in this <laughs> theater. And uh, I just, because, you you know, I was working for the LA Times, you know, I had free reign, carte blanche, you know, I can just walk. And, and that helped develop the confidence to just walk up and, you know, know that I'm supposed to be here and I'm yeah. supposed to photograph you. Yeah, right. <laughs> So and so it was a preview for Star Wars. That's pretty. I mean, that's a big. That's another big fish to just land on there. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And so uh, over the years, um, I was able to go next door and just go watch screenings. Wow. Uh, um, and uh, that that was pretty cool. And we had um, uh, so many. I I mean, I used to think that all, virtually all of my assignments that I got from the L.A. Times were like a five mile radius of my apartment. So. <laughs> right. That's a, a micro TMZ sort of area there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, that was, that kind of, uh, bled into all of my freelance career, you know, at, yeah. at Rolling Stone or USA Today or, you know, all the various publications, it was really all the hotels, all the, uh, you know, the clubs and whatnot in West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, uh, Los Angeles. I mean, it, it was yeah. kind, of, kind of a really great compact lifestyle. Yeah. I, it just, it sounds like that would be just so much fun to do too, you know? Well, I was young and, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's like I was experiencing the world for the first time. I remember they sent me, the LA Times sent me all the way to Cannes, France wow. uh, for the film festival. And so imagine that as a 24 year old you're going out, you're out on the south of France. It, just, it was a major eye opener for me. Wow, that's amazing. What, so what did you get to see out there? Um, I saw Cabaret, the movie Cabaret okay. in yeah. 
12 languages. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the year uh, that, that Cabaret was out. But um, basically, it's just Hollywood moves to the south of France for two weeks uh, every May. Uh, in those days, it was every May. It's all the same people. It was all the same people. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there were just some crazy scenes. Um, the, they literally set up a, um, a satellite Malmaison restaurant uh, <laughs> I mean, with Patrick Ture and, and, you know, his whole crew, they were cooking food. There was Roman Polanski showing up, uh, Jack Nicholson. I mean, it, it was just crazy. Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, all these people that I was busy photographing in Hollywood, they were all in the south of France. And they let their guard down a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Then. And especially since a lot of them knew that I was with the L.A. Times. I would, you know, and that's something else I was curious about is, is how, you know, through the years of you doing this and, and seeing everybody, did you develop relationships with them? Like, did they get more comfortable with you or? You know, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm this kind of quirky uh, photographer. I, I really don't want the relationship with the celebrity or, and, and I did the same thing with sports. I, I didn't really want to become Joe Montana's best buddy. All right. Uh, I just wanted to photograph him and, um. But, yeah. but even work in a working relationship. Yeah, I mean, they all know who I am. Yeah. You know, it's a friendly face. I'm, you know, I'm not there to destroy their careers. <laughs> right. Um, but, I, you know, I, I did become friends with a few people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like I didn't have relationships with people. But it, it was just a great um, experience to, for them to know me and, you know, know what I did and know, you know, know my style of photography Right. And um, so, you know, it was a, it was a pretty relaxed environment uh, as things go in those days. And uh, you have to remember that was before all the attorneys and the non-disclosure <laughs> yeah. agreements and things that photographers end up end up having to sign today. Right, right. What was um, what was your biggest kind of? I, I mean, maybe this was early on, but your biggest eye-opening moment for you, like just like I can't believe I'm here doing this. Oh gosh, uh, that happened probably every day. <laughs> really? um, you know, I ended up photographing the Academy Awards, the Grammys, the Emmys. Uh, you know, it was like a revolving door of, of award shows, and um, but also just uh, celebrity portraits uh, in in their homes or on location or on the set of a movie. Um, it, and it was every day. I mean, I, I would yeah. do this every day. And even on the weekends, so um, you know, it was a it, because I was young and I didn't have so much of a, a life <laughs> that I have now. Right. Um, it was just one of those things where I kind of went with it, and it the access was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and uh, working with these great journalists that were covering uh, music and and film, um, it, you know, it was a really wonderful time, but. I must say, one of the weirdest things ever is I got sent up to Alaska, um, I think it was 1979 or 80, and um, I w- went up there to do a whole series of stories. This was non-entertainment, so I was up there with a reporter, and we were traveling all over Alaska, and we were in Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, I was driving by this uh, theater in, in uh, Fairbanks, and they were showing Bambi <laughs> and the Alaskan favorite. I yeah, think. Yeah. And, and that I believe that was the year that Star Wars uh, had just come out and it was just like killing it at the box office. But there <laughs> right. they there they were in, in Fairbanks with Bambi. 
And uh, I took a picture <laughs> of the marquee, and, yeah. it, and it ran on the front page of the entertainment section really? of the LA Times. It was just so crazy, <laughs> random. Uh, but, uh, you know, I always tried to get something different, do something yeah. different, uh, find the bigger picture story. Yeah, and, you know, and that's and that kind of leads me perfectly into another question I had for you was, you know, when you're when you're going to, um, you know, obviously a, a portrait uh, shoot versus just kind of off the cuff at a, at a party or an event, you know, what's your approach uh, in those different scenarios? I mean, they're two different animals, you know, so when you have, say, you know, somebody who wants that the portrait style photo, you know, like, um, I think I saw, you know, like Dolly Parton, you know, has got a certain look you know, how do you work with people on that? Do they, do they have certain things that they want in those photos? Like how do you, how do you work with them on that? Well, the first thing is they want you in and out fast. Um, so, you know, I, I learned to develop a technique. Um, I had multiple, um, styles of photography. I mean, on occasions I was a paparazzi. Yeah. You know, on uh, other occasions, I was Richard Avedon. And on other occasions, I was a film set, you know, guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was doing all kinds of multiple styles of entertainment photography. But uh, lighting-wise, I was a minimalist. I, I really came late to multiple um, strobe lighting uh, with umbrellas and, the, you know, whole works with makeup artists and things like mm -hmm. that. I didn't want that. I, you know, I didn't use that. I didn't incorporate. The LA Times did not encourage that kind of photography. Hmm. They wanted a little bit more real. Yeah. Um, but as I ended up working for Rolling Stone and, and USA Today and some other publications, I ended up um, bringing along lighting assistants and uh, makeup and stylists. And yeah. I mean, the productions became bigger uh, it, and more high quality. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I love just shooting natural light, available light, maybe a flash on camera or something like that to fill. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it was a, a just a kind of a down and dirty technique that I enjoyed. It, it worked beautifully with Hollywood. Yeah. And, and in terms of like what uh, in just the direction of the uh, of the of the person, you know, have them sitting, standing what sort of poses to put them in? Did they have like a certain approach that they usually gravitated towards or just something towards their own character? And I, you know, I, I um, always kind of pre-visualized what it was that I wanted to do before I walked in the door. And so um, I tried to incorporate the environment. I did a whole slew of photo shoots up at the Chateau Marmont and I incorporated the, uh, the colonnade uh, that they have at the entrance. Um, I, I mean, I love incorporating architecture. I love incorporating patterns in the backgrounds. Um, I, you know, I had to do something interesting. But I'd say some of my most successful portraits of uh, celebrities were really tight shots. And I know they didn't like them, but, mm. um, you know, just really just, you know, get in there with a 300 millimeter lens and just kind of shoot it um, tight. And um, uh, some, some were more successful than others. I remember Mary Tyler Moore got a, a little upset with me using available light and uh -huh. getting so close. Well, and <laughs> you know, that's actually, a, a, it's what, w like, what are some of your, your conflicts that you ran into? Because I'm sure there's been some big egos, in, I mean, in these photos. Um, did they clash with you at all ever? And had, I mean, Mary Tyler Moore, that, that, that one kind of comes to mind because yeah. it was so um, out there in public because 
I took this picture of her, you know, you know, she was at a makeup lighting uh, situation where there's real bright makeup light and her skin was, uh, you know, looking a little ruddy. She was a smoker. She had pursed lips. So you could see all the lines on her face and she smiled and she frowned and she, I mean, we went through a whole slew of, of uh, looks and uh, the LA Times ran a huge picture of her. Uh, on the front page of the entertainment section that just showed every single crease and <laughs> line on her face. And, and of course, in those days, the printing of a newspaper really wasn't very good. Yeah. So it kind of gotten, got worse. And I remember she went on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and uh, just laid in. They were talking about the, the picture that was in the LA Times that day. <laughs> and she just laid into, she didn't name, call me out by name, but she just laid into that photographer at the <laughs> LA Times trying wow. to ruin her career. Uh, you know, so it's those things. Um, that, because, you know, that you're dealing with high profile celebrities, you're working at the, you know, the town's newspaper. Um, so you get a lot more attention that you, than you normally would. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, what do you think though are some of your more successful shots? Oh, Ronald Reagan. Um, and yeah. actually my whole, I did a whole series of people who were running for president in 1980. Yeah. And there was a whole slew of people, including Jerry Brown. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, he had the um, independent uh, candidates and you had uh, the libertarian candidates and, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter, um, et cetera. And so I, I just totally ripped off Richard Avedon's white background, you know, two strobes with uh, umbrellas on the front. Mm -hmm. um, and and then just had these people kind of walk in front of the white background and boom, 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 <laughs> and they're on their way. Yeah. And uh, it was the most uh, uh, successful, I think, of, of any of the portraits that I ever took just because of the, the, the style but also the unpretentiousness of it. Uh, yeah. I, I was not anybody that wanted to, uh, you know, Annie Leibovitz, you know, God bless her, she's just this master portrait photographer, but a lot of the stuff is kind of set up and kind of fake and, you know, posing people in bathtubs with milk. And well, and I think there's like a lot of post work on, on her work as well. Uh, definitely, and she also, yeah. you know, she's like the queen of, uh, of the assistants <laughs> and the budgets, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. let's go to the Mojave Desert to photograph this person, even though that, that person could have been photographed in a studio. Um, yeah. You know, I, it just, uh, I, I wasn't really into pretentiousness when it came to my photography. Yeah, so you like to keep it small, you know, almost under the radar, and, and I think that actually that helps even, you know, with any kind of film shoot or photo shoot is that it, it creates a sense, of, a sense of ease. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're, you're not, uh, pretentious is, is a perfect word for it. Yeah, you know? you're not running around uh, making them nervous. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And me being nervous. Um, you're trying to, you know, calm them uh, to a certain degree. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Elliot Erwitt, uh, the photography of Elliot Erwitt. He was a great um, photographer. And, you know, he ran around simply with one camera and one lens. And, you know, yeah. I, I had two. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about your equipment <laughs> and what your weapon of choice was. Well, I always, uh, I've always had two cameras, one with a, a telephoto zoom and one with a wide angle zoom. Mm. And that way I got all the bases covered no matter what the situation is. Right. Um, well, you know, studio photography, I gra I graduated to a larger format camera. I was using Mamiya 645s, and um, I, uh, I enjoyed those for landscape photography as well. Uh, but nowadays, with all the digital photography, 
Um, you can get all the quality you'd ever need for anything that you will ever do, you know, on, yeah. on, on a camera. I, I, and I wanted to ask you about that too. I mean, you know, about, you know, once you leave Hollywood, Beverly Hills and, and you start, you know, moving on, I wanted to ask you about, you know, how technology's changed and how, how does that change what you do just stylistically on, on things, if it, if it does at all? Well, when I started in the business, it was all about black and white. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that the 70s were still in the dark ages of black and white. Um, you know, photographers were obviously shooting in color, um, you know, for years and years, but the publications were using a lot of black and white. And then suddenly there was this major revolution of color. Uh, all the newspapers had to be in color. All the magazines had to be in color. Um, so, you know, I went from that black and white revolution to color revolution um, and, and then to the digital revolution. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled with the digital revolution, but it does not save you any time. You <laughs> still have right. to have, pay attention uh, to the processing the same way you paid attention to the processing in black and white. Uh, but the results that I get with digital, uh, camera equipment is just phenomenal. And, you know, I never look back. I, I, was a late converter. I think I converted to digital in about 2003. Um, okay. And, but I tested um, a camera for Sony um, back in in the uh, in the early 80s. Uh, it was a Sony Mavica, and it was their first version of a digital camera. And it was pretty cool. And I understood that this would be the revolution at some point. It took them a few years to get there. Yeah. No. That that's amazing. But it, it's also interesting how you talk about black and white being the style, but you know, it was not, it wasn't necessarily a style choice is what it sounds like. It was just practical because it was black and white print. Yeah. You know, it was, and again, it was down and dirty. It was cheap. Yeah. You know, I mean the newspapers, um, that, that converted um, and particularly because of USA today's conversion to color mm -hmm. or, or the use of color, all the newspapers just decided they got to have color too. <laughs> Um, yeah. and so that, I mean, it just changed everything. And I remember an art director was just giving me gas about, well, that shirt's too red. You know, it won't show. Right. <laughs> it's like it's red. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, and the other thing too is, uh, patterns, I think on, on clothing, cause that's something that, you know, filmmakers have to look at, especially with TV and things is if you have a crazy striped shirt, you know, it's good. It's going to look weird in, in motion, but I guess, you know, with still photography, that's a different animal yeah. and it, you don't have to worry about no, that. No, no. And listen, I, I made the transition rather, uh, uh, comfortable and, and I, you know, I'm glad that I was able to be back there in those dark ages where you made prints in a dark room and you breathed all those chemicals yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and then graduated to color and then you just ship the, the film off to a local lab or you. Right. You know, and it's, it's funny because I think, um, I may have just had a toe in that kind of same world as you did where I, I, when I, when I was in film school, I was shooting 16 millimeter and I was doing all these things. I was cutting on a flatbed, you know, and now I think about kids right now, they're never going to do that. Never, it, it's yeah. never, it's never going to be film. 
you know, going, you know, submitting the film and not being able to see your, what it looks like for days sometimes, depending on how busy the lab is, yeah. you know, and um, you, you never have to worry about that ever again. Well, yeah, I did all my own editing for film that I shot at, uh, for the NFL, um, you know, for 13 seasons. I, I worked for the National Football League uh, Creative Properties. Yeah, tell, tell me about that. Yeah, well, every weekend during football season, I would be somewhere in the western United States photographing football. And uh, we focused on those stadiums that were uh, open daylight stadiums mm -hmm. with grass um, to get the best pictures. And, um, and so I travel around, you know, Denver, down to San Diego, up to San Francisco, um, certainly the Coliseum in L.A. and, and Anaheim, and uh, photographed uh, football games. And so I would shoot probably about 35 rolls of film, yeah. uh, wow. typically... Well, it started out as Kodachrome, but uh, moved to Fuji 100, and um, because you could, you know, push it if it got dark or was raining, and uh, I would process this film, and then I would send it to A and I Color Lab you know, down in Los Angeles, and I wouldn't see that film for three or four days, yeah, and the turnaround. But then I ended, <laughs> had to end up editing yeah. 35 rolls of film. Wow! So I learned to edit film fast. Yeah. Um, no, and, and you know, it's uh, like I was saying, I, I don't think. I don't think kids today are, I feel like I'm an old fogey right now saying that. Like, these darn kids will never understand the fact that you have to wait around to see what you did and if it even looks good or if it worked or if you had your, you know, if, if the shutter was open too wide and everything's just over. You don't, it, they don't feel that. It's instant now for yeah. them. And I think that's part of that digital revolution. That, yeah, it was like Christmas, so opening up your box. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, but there was a moment uh, back in the early 70s um, where I had a brother-in-law who was in film, and um, he brought a, a, an Aeroflex uh, camera mm -hmm. uh, to a drag race. I, I was uh, photographing an auto drag race um, in uh, Pomona, and uh, um, he let me play around with it, and you know, I, I, I was right on that fence. Do I get into film, yeah. or do I become a still photographer, or do I continue on this journey right. of being a still photographer? And, uh, you know, who knows how it all would have ended up. But it was a lot of fun, actually, yeah. shooting uh, film. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, but, and with football, that wasn't the only sport. I, I saw a couple of uh, Dodgers things in there as well. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, um, my neighbor was the general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So you lived in a great spot. Yeah, so. <laughs> my neighbor, uh, yeah, Fred Clare, I mean, he, he was my dad's best friend, too. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, he was the general manager uh, for the Dodgers uh, during their heyday in the in the seventies. Yeah, and um, he he talked me into doing this deal. Uh, of course, he didn't have to talk me. In. I'm, I'm a huge Dodger fan, and uh, so it was kind of photography for tickets. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah. So so I had uh, season tickets along third base, and and wow. uh, in return for uh, doing various projects for the Dodgers. And it just so happens that that year was the Dodgers' 25th anniversary. And so I photographed every single player uh, on the roster in various locations around Dodger Stadium. It was a fun, huge project. And, um, uh, you know, some, some great people, you know, Fernando Valenzuela and, and Tommy Lasorda. I mean, just yeah. great, great portraits of people. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, Vin Scully. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was just a great project. And... Uh, and then 
you know, in the evening, I just go sit over and watch batting practice and yeah. <laughs> have a Dodger dog. <laughs> that's that. That's amazing. Um, and like these photos, where do you where do you see them nowadays? You know, outside of your books or things like that, are they are they still out and about? Yeah, I'm I'm a contributor and have been uh, with Getty Images since their founding. Okay, and uh, I'm a little bit more newsy now than I was. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I travel around the country taking pictures of iconic landmarks and landscapes and events and things. Uh, you know, just this past week, I've been taking pictures of the drought here in California mm -hmm. to illustrate the drought. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, what, you, what are you doing nowadays? Yeah, no, that, <laughs> so that, I that's, mean, that. That, that's what I do. And, yeah. um, and you know, I had a, a little detour, 25-year detour in the wine business yeah. uh, where I worked as vice president of communication at Kendall Jackson and a few other really great uh, wineries. And that's what brought you up here. That's what, that's yeah. what got me here. Yeah. Um, I met my wife up there, and um, she's from Santa Barbara, and she was thinking about retiring, and let's go move back down to Santa Barbara County. And so we ended up uh, here in Santa Barbara County. But I, I'm, I do wine books now. Uh, I did a book on Sonoma County, mm -hmm. uh, spent three years photographing it as a big, huge, uh, old school, you know, printed uh, 11 by 14 coffee table book. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it cost a fortune to produce and it cost a fortune to buy and, you know, it's all sold out now. Um, and it was so popular, I ended up doing one on Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. and uh, that book is also sold out. Wow. And Any plans on making more? Or? Yeah. I, I mean, I was thinking about Mendocino. I was okay. in conversation with Mendocino County, uh, and we'll see. Mm. Um, the Willamette Valley up in Oregon, you know, is, yeah. uh, would be a great uh, subject. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that I uh, really kind of put my heart and soul in now, um, so I guess I've become a book publisher because <laughs> because I do yeah. I do self publish these books uh, and then but I what I do is also you know I'm the salesman and in, in addition to being the photographer right. I got I got to pre sell these books you know I, I don't do them the traditional style um, of finding a publisher I am the publisher I find the people who uh, want to pay for this book up front so I mean it's a, a little bit different way of doing a book. Gotcha. Any any other big plans coming up? Um, I'm going to be uh, speaking at a wine media conference. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to be very. I'm I'm still very active. I still work, um, and uh, I'll be traveling. Uh, my, you know, my favorite places to travel are the eastern side of the Sierra, and hmm. and uh, you know, we love uh, going up to Oregon and. And uh, so you know, I, I'm out and about uh, every day. In fact, I was photographing uh, some of the hay being baled uh, <laughs> over in one of the farms here in Los Alamos. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, George, I, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is having you come here. Um, this has been a, an absolute treat, and, and definitely um, if, you're, if you have more books, let us know, and we'll, we'll happy to put the word out too because it's, it's amazing work that you've, you've done in your career, and, and I just I, I can't stop looking at it. It's, oh, it's thanks awesome. So, thanks so much for having me. All right. All right. This has been a treat. Great. Thanks. Thanks, George.
All right, so just to kind of wrap things up here, we've got a couple of events to go through, and I honestly, I, I'm very excited about this. Um, coming up very shortly on Sunday, August 7th at 3 p.m. at Telosa Winery, uh, we actually have, uh, uh, we're kind of, kind of co-hosting here with this, um, organization. It's the women in film and television and it, it was a whiffed. Um, but, uh, the San Luis Obispo chapter is being organized and the San Luis Obispo chapter will join a network of whiffed organizations, which is a, all the way across the country. Um, in California, they also have ones in, in Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, Palm Springs, and San Francisco Bay Area. So really excited that this organization is joining that national kind of movement here and right here on the Central Coast as well. Um, so really, really exciting uh, stuff. And I, I want to give a big shout out to our member of the board, Sarah Risley. She's helping out uh, getting this launched as well um, with Cal Poly lecturer Randy Barros, uh, who is also uh, an award-winning film editor and screenwriter. And uh, they say that the, this chapter is, is really getting established to be, um, is being dedicated to providing community networking education and resources to filmmakers on the Central Coast. And they hope to nurture an environment where Previously underrepresented filmmakers can succeed in, in by developing access to supportive community of peers and mentors. And, and definitely we, we applaud that. I love that, um, you know, getting out there and just getting everybody a voice uh, in film. You know, it's that that's kind of the, also the main mission for the Central Coast Film Society as well. And in, in a whole is we just want to nurture filmmakers uh, from all walks of life. And, uh, you know, we don't care what your background is. If this is something that you've been doing for years, if this is what you have your, your degrees in, or if this is just like kind of a casual hobby and you want to learn some more tips and tricks, uh, it doesn't matter because you're out there creating and, and you have a voice, you have a vision and you can make it happen because you can do it. And that's what we want to really get um, get out there and, and just let people know that that is something that we are here for um, and what WIFT is going to be there for as well. And so really awesome to have another organization here partnering with us and um, getting those voices out there. Now, of course, uh, if you guys caught me on the radio with Sunny Country 102.5, I was talking to Jay and Jesse and hinted at another event coming up uh, that is in the works and we are so close to being able to uh, release the details. It's going to be an awesome, <laughs> another awesome event that we're going to put on. Um, and uh, I can't wait to tell you, we can't do it right now, but that's why you've got to subscribe to this. Um, you've got to listen to uh, our podcast and because we're going to be telling you all about it here shortly. So, with that, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap things up. And that's a wrap on this edition of Take 18. This has been a production of the Central Coast Film Society. We are an official 501c3 charitable organization, which means, of course, we cannot make this show 
or do anything that we do without you. That's right, our listeners and our generous supporters. Everything you do helps make a difference. Uh, That could be anything from making a donation, purchasing a membership, or just simply coming to one of our events. Even easier, just like and subscribe to our buttons. Uh, Just share our our posts, and it really helps us out. You can visit our website, centralcoastfilmsociety.org, for more information. You can also sign up for a newsletter and uh, just be right there and join us on social media. We have fun conversations there all the time. And of course, uh, special thanks again to George Rose for stopping by. That was, I'm still kind of geeking out. I'm looking at all these pictures. He, you know, I've got a copy of his book right here and it's just, just amazing. To, sorry, I'm looking at the book. we got a podcast here. <laughs> Thank you, uh, by the way, for listening all the way to the very end. Get out there, go see some movies, and have a great time out there. And uh, thank you for all your support. Truly hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been a blast. And that is a take.